This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Here today, if you were here last week, um, we had a, a blast, we had an awesome Sunday, and um, we began a new series called Change Your World. And the idea behind this series is that each week I'm going to give you something or I'm going to challenge you to do something that will help change your world, that will help impact your world. And so last week we started off with 10 for 1 where we gave away or giving away a little bit over $3,000 to Whitley Road. And so we're super excited about that. Y'all can give it up for that if you want. We're, we're, we're super pumped about that. And, uh, you know, we consider this place, we, we, we're so grateful to meet here. We love meeting here. And we hope that this place can be, as we talk about our circle of influence, can be in our influence, can be a place that we bless and that we love on. And so, uh, yeah, so as we talk about changing your world, we talk about your circle of influence. That's kind of where we began. And we talked about how we all have people and places in our circle of influence. We talked about that oikos, which is that relational covering in your life, the way that your life touches different people's lives, touches different uh, areas of your lives. And that that uh, covering or that influence that we talked about really plays out in our lives in three different ways. We said it starts off with your people. And your people are um, your friends, your family, those people that you see every day in your life. They're those people that sociologists say are in your circle of influence, which they said about the average person has about 12 people directly in their circle of influence, which, is, which means if you spend an hour or more with a, a person during a week on average, that person enters into your circle of influence. So we have our people, we have our place, that's where we work, that's where we live, that, that we have the opportunity to influence. And then we have our passions. Those are God-given talents, God-given abilities that he has placed in you. And through those things, you have an opportunity to change and impact and influence your world. And so that was kind of our, our, our challenge. We started off as we all have those people and places in our circle and how we influence them is ultimately up to us. It's people, it's people and places that God has put in our lives and we have a responsibility in how we influence those places. And what we want to do as a church, what we want to do as individuals is we want to be helping point and lead those people towards Jesus and to Jesus not away from Jesus. That's our goal, right? But sometimes in life, there's this thing that happens and it's crazy. And I know maybe, maybe this is just me, but sometimes what happens in our circle, those people that are in our circle of influence, how do I say this? We don't always get along. And for whatever reason, those people don't always understand that we're right. Can I get an amen? And they don't understand that, hey, I'm here to influence you, man. You need to pay attention to me. You need to do what I say, right? You, you need to listen to me. Like the worst thing that someone in our circle of influence can do is disagree with us. But the truth is, though, right, we all have people in our lives that we love, that we disagree with, that we don't always get along with. Like Katie and I are going to be married for seven years this month. Give it up. What, what? Yeah. Some of you guys are shocked that she stuck around with me for that long, but we're going to be married seven years. We got two kids, so she's stuck. She can't go anywhere, right? She's got to stay, right? And uh, 
But to this day, we disagree on how you do the dishes. And let me tell you, she'll tell you that she's right and I'm wrong, right? But to this point, we, we just, we can't agree. So I just, we just do it her way, right? That's, that was our compromise. We do it her way. But the truth is, is that those people in our circle, we don't always get along with them. We don't always agree with them. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you some ideas or give you some, what I think is biblical advice on how to work in those situations that, that this is good for just any relationship that you have. But especially, I think, whenever you're dealing with somebody that might be a difficult person in your circle or somebody that you're not always agreeing with. Because the truth is, is sometimes we don't always know how to disagree with people in a healthy way, right? Sometimes we don't always know how to handle conflict in a healthy way. And so let me tell you some ways that I've tried that I found don't work. The first one is just getting on Facebook and blasting them. You know what I'm talking about? Like just talking, I'm, I'm going to put this on here. When I write this, this is going to change their mind, right? They're going to read this on Facebook and just go, man, Mike really is smart. That's, that's right, right? Right? It's going to change their mind. I mean, haven't we all read something on Facebook that changed our mind? Oh, no? Oh, okay. Woo, a little too close to home, people. Am I right? Another option that I found that doesn't work so well is just to shun them. Just kick them out, right? You're not in my circle anymore. I'm, I'm kicking you out, right? I'm getting you out of here. And we think that'll teach them, right? I'm just going to get them out of here. I'm not going to talk to them. The truth, though, is that if, uh, you know, if that's the way you act with them, they're probably like, thank God that person finally stopped talking to me. <laughs> right? Although there are people that you probably, we probably do need to remove from our lives sometimes that maybe are unhealthy. But just in general, that response, our response to someone disagreeing with us or not getting along with us shouldn't be, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Then the one that I've, I still think this one might work because it's my favorite way to deal with people who disagree with me is just be really sarcastic and passive aggressive. That's my favorite. And then there's just the classic make up things about them. Right? That's like, that's the one, you know, that one since like second grade, just to start rumors about them. That's a great way to handle people who disagree with us, right? Because they don't agree with us, right? So who cares? Kick them out of here. Get rid of them. They're dumb. They can get lost, right? Some of you are like, amen, brother, I knew I liked this church. But of course, you know where I'm going with this. That's, that's not right, you know. Because the truth of the matter is that as Christians, how we handle these situations, how we handle people who disagree with us or we don't always get along with or maybe we have a difference of opinion with, how we handle that matters. And I would say it matters a lot, to be honest. Because first and foremost, those people are in your circle of influence. And what I believe about that circle of influence is I believe that those people in your life, that is something that is ordained by God. I don't think it's an accident. I think that God has strategically placed people in your lives to be a positive influence and lead them to Jesus, not away from Jesus. And so when we respond to them in a bad way, when we respond to them in a childish way that leads them away from Jesus, and what happens is you actually begin to lose your influence in that person's life. And maybe you think, well, maybe I'll just yell louder and they'll hear me. No, here's what happens is when you yell louder, they just get better at shutting you out. And that's not what we want. That's not how we want to be. Like God has placed those people in your life to influence them. And so how you handle that conflict, how we handle that disagreement matters because first and foremost, God has placed them in your life. Secondly, it matters because if you call yourself a Christian, people see how you respond 
to those things. And how you respond to conflict, how you respond to disagreement is going to reflect back on God because you claim God as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that we're to be salt and light, that we are to be a a city on a hill shining and leading people to Jesus. And when we respond in a negative way, we act like a 13-year-old kid, when we get somebody who disagrees with us and doesn't see things the way that we see them, that definitely does not glorify God. That definitely does not lead people to Jesus, right? And so how we respond matters. One, God has placed them in your life. Secondly, how we respond reflects on our Lord and Savior And thirdly, and this is the one that is going to make you a little nervous, is because there are people who disagree with you. There are people who don't always, who won't always get along with you in this church. We are, for better or worse, and I think better, a pretty diverse church. There's people in this place who politically disagree with each other. Did you know that? Did you know there's people in here who politically disagree with you? Do you know that we have people in this church who come from different ethnic backgrounds? Do you know that? Unless you're blind, you, you probably you probably know that. Here's one you may not know. Did you know that we have people in this church who come from very diverse spiritual backgrounds? We have people in this church who uh, grew up Catholic. We have people in this church who grew up Methodist. We have people who grew up in this church Reformed. We have people in this church who grew up Charismatic. We have people in this church who grew up and didn't even know what a church was. And there is no way that we can be that diverse as a church and always agree on everything. And maybe you're in here and you're going, well, I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to go somewhere where everybody agrees. Well, go ahead. We will miss you. And what I'll say, those, you'll go to the next place, you'll find the next church, and guess what? You'll find somebody there who disagrees with you too. And if you finally find a place where everybody agrees with you, it's probably a cult. You knew where I was going before I went there. It's a cult, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it when you guys know where I'm going ahead of me. It's a cult or just a very boring place. Like it might just be your family, like you're having church at your house by yourself. And if that's the only place where you can get people who agree with you, I will give you a home Bible study. You stay home and don't come here, okay? I'm just kidding. We, we want you here. And so you're saying, so Mike, does it, you're saying it doesn't matter if we disagree on stuff? No, it's, it's important that we get along. It's important that we have certain things in common. Like I'm not saying that being united in theology doesn't matter. We absolutely believe that being united in theology matters. But what we say is we have a quote on our website from Augustine that says, in essentials, unity. So in the important things and the key things, unity, but in non-essentials, liberty, we give you freedom. We have open-handedness in certain things, but in all things, charity, which means give each other grace, give each other grace. So yeah, we want to be united on the big things. And I'd say you probably wouldn't be in this place if we weren't united on those big things, but we won't always agree on everything. And so I think this is important for us to grasp because it's, it's important that we as a church do this well, not just for people on the outside who maybe are in this place, but people in your circle of influence, but it's important for us as a church because diversity in thought, diversity in background, in an organization, and especially in a church is healthy, it's good, it's Christ-like, and it will challenge us to grow and help us how to understand, to see the world through a broader and more truthful lens. It will teach us 
to be a more loving and Christ-centered church, to understand all people better, to understand, um, to be able to serve all people better, and to be able to love all people better who are all loved by Jesus. And so all that to say, it matters that we get this right. And, and maybe we won't be perfect on it all the time. Like, I'm not the best person always because, like, when I was joking about the sarcasm and the passive-aggressive thing, that's me, really. Like, that's my struggle. Also one of my better qualities. <laughs> um, but it matters that we get this right because in a time where everybody's fighting and nobody seems to be getting along and, like, like everybody's just at each other's throats, it seems like, in our country – the church and Christians, we need to be a place that's building bridges, not tearing bridges down. And, and, and what's going to happen if we burn our bridges is you're going to lose your influence in the people's lives around you. Right. Like I can't say it any more plain than that. And so that's what we want because my hope for you and what I believe for you is that God has placed those people in your lives, not just to influence them today, but for years to come. And so it matters it matters that we get this right. And so maybe you're going, all right, that's great, Mike. I agree with you on all these things. We're, we're there. We're together. So how do we do it? Well, what I would say is the best way that we can know how to do this is to look to Jesus because Jesus is our hero. Jesus is our standard. And he's the one that we can learn from. He's the one that can teach us how to do this. And what I'm going to give you today, um, again, are not about. it's not about a moment. Okay, so I'm not going to say, hey, here's a healthy way to handle a fight when it comes up. Okay, that's, that's a different sermon. But what I'm going to give you today, when I try with the tools I want to kind of give you today are, here's how you do it over a long period of time, right? So here's how you sustainably influence people's lives in a positive way. Here's the attitude and mindset in which you need to approach it. Does that make sense? Here's the attitude in which you need to approach it. And so what we want to do is we want to look to Jesus. He's our hero always. He's our God. He's our Savior. He's the one that we look to, and he's the one that we learn from. And what we've learned about Jesus is that Jesus deals with different people in different ways. Did you know that? Like if you read the Bible, there's not just one set way that Jesus handled everyone. There's a story about my favorite football coach, probably because he's the only good Dallas Cowboys coach that's ever existed in my lifetime, besides Tom Landry, but... Jimmy Johnson. Anybody remember Jimmy Johnson? If you're a Cowboys fan, those were the good old days. They proved me wrong this last week, though. They won, right? So they won. Several of you texted me about that after I said that in church. But anyways, there's Jimmy Johnson. There's a story about him that I love where he, he says that, you know, I treat people differently. He says, if a third string running back falls asleep in a meeting, I wake them up and I go, hey, man, you're cut. You're off the team. He goes, but if one of our superstars falls asleep in a meeting like Troy Aikman or Emmett Smith, I wake him up and go, hey, Troy, the meeting's still going on. Jesus treat, or Jimmy treated people differently. That's not what I'm talking about, though. That's called favoritism. You're like, where is he going with this? <laughs> but Jesus saw that different people needed to be dealt with in different ways. And so one of the people that we see in the Bible that Jesus dealt with a lot were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees definitely disagreed with Jesus on a lot of things, but Jesus was um, not so gentle Jesus with them. Jesus was pretty tough with them. Jesus was pretty stern with them. Jesus, you talk about name calling. Jesus called them a couple names actually a few times. He called them out. He held their feet to the fire. And some of you are like, yes, so that's what we do. I like this. I like where this is headed. No, we're not Jesus. And the thing about this is that these people that he dealt with kind of in a more harsh way or more kind of 
was harder on. Those are, they were in his circle of influence, but they were people who were in power kind of over the people around Jesus. And so Jesus dealt them in a different way because they were hurting people. They were hurting the weak. They were taking advantage of the weak and they were setting up this power structure that was kind of making it difficult for people to get to God. And what Jesus was here for was to tear that down and build up bridges to God. But the people that we see him deal with and his circle in a, in a way that I want to follow today are people that were in his everyday circle of influence that we see him interact with consistently, right? That he didn't treat harshly, but that he handled with grace and love and gentleness, people he offered forgiveness to. And you know those stories if you've spent any time in church. It's stories like the woman who washed Jesus' feet. It's the woman who humbly comes into a space where he's meeting with this important person or guy who thought he was important. And she takes an alabaster jar of perfume, this expensive jar of perfume, and she breaks it because that was the only way that you could open it. And she begins to wash Jesus' feet and she loves Jesus. She serves Jesus. She approaches him humbly. And what we see Jesus do is offer her life and salvation. We see the story of the woman at the well where Jesus goes out of his way to find this woman. And they had this conversation about who God is and who Jesus is. And Jesus, at the end of the conversations, offers her life and salvation and hope. We see it in the story. One of my favorite ones is the thief on the cross. Someone who, and these other two people definitely were people who Jesus would have disagreed with their lifestyle up until this point. The thief on the cross was someone that Jesus definitely would have disagreed with on his lifestyle. You know why? Because he was being killed for being a bad person. (laughs) And yet what we see is the thief on the cross approach Jesus humbly and say, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And what do we see Jesus do? We see Jesus offer him life and salvation. And what we learn from those stories, those, those examples, they're people who approach Jesus not in arrogance. There are people who approach Jesus not expecting that he owed them anything, but there are people who approach Jesus with humility and hope. And it's interesting because they're kind of on the other side of what we're talking about. But I think there's something important to learn from that. Because I think that how we deal with people in our lives matters to God. And I think that when that it matters to God that we deal with the people in our lives with humility. Because what we see is Jesus deal with, deal harshly with the arrogant and the prideful religious leaders, and yet he gives patience and love to those who come to him in humility. As a matter of fact, one of the times in the scriptures we see Jesus deal kindly and gently with a Pharisee is when Nicodemus, the Pharisee, approaches Jesus in humility. And what we see Jesus do is explain, him, explain to him the way to salvation. You see, humility matters to God. James 4, 6, it's funny, Joel and I didn't plan this. This is the verse that Joel shared with you today. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Psalm 149, 4 says, for Yahweh, which is another word for God, takes pleasure in his people and he adorns the humble with salvation. Humility matters to God. It matters to God that we approach him in humility. And I think it matters to God that we deal with the people in our sphere of influence with humility as well, especially people in our sphere of influence who we disagree with. I mean, put the shoe on the other foot. Has anybody ever walked up to you in arrogance and pride and tried to tell you what's what and you went, because you're an arrogant jerk, now I feel like I should listen to you. 
Humility matters. God knows this. It matters that we approach the people in our circle of influence with humility, especially when we disagree with them. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. He didn't say the people that agree with you. He didn't say the people you like. He said others. Do you know who others is? He says, everyone should look out not for his own interests, but for the interests of others. If you want to change your world, especially if you want to impact the lives of the people in your life who you might disagree with, you might have some issues with, you've got to lead with humility. Secondly, we've got to let love be our motive. Not being right, not proving a point, not, not proving an agenda, but love. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, maintain an intense love. I love that. Not just love, an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins. First Corinthians 16, 14, your every action must be done with love. Every action done with love. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for difficult times. What do we know about love, man? Everybody wants love. The Beatles wrote about love. Every song is about love. Every movie is about love. Love matters. And what I would say to you is for the people in your lives, the people in your circle of influence, the fact that you love them deeply matters to them too. The fact that you approach them and you deal with them and are motivated by love matters for them too. Because here's what I would say, especially when you're disagreeing with someone, when people know that your heart for them and they know that your motivation for them is birthed out, birthed out of love for them, it changes everything. I think we've all experienced that where we've had somebody come to us in love and you know the difference between someone just saying something to you passive aggressively or saying something mean to you or harsh to you. With this, and then you have somebody who comes to you and speaks love and life to you. You see, even though they may say something difficult when it's spoken in love, it makes a difference, right? Like I've had, I've had being being a pastor and being in leadership positions. There's been times in my life where I've had to say some tough things to people. Like where I've had to come to them and say things that not only do they not want to hear, but they like it's going to hurt, you know. And it's funny because I'll leave those conversations and the ones that go well, <laughs> I'll tell uh, Katie and I'll talk about it or maybe Katie's with me and she'll see it. And there's been times where she's gone, Mike, how were you able to say that? Like it was, it was tough. And I mean, it was right, <laughs> but it was hard. How were you able to say that? And what I would say is that my hope is it's because those people who are in my circle Know that the things that are spoken to them are spoken into or out of a deep, abiding love for them. And a love that's not just there for a moment, but that I'm there for them from here on out. That, it, that it's a love from, from a lifetime, that I'm not going anywhere. See, when people understand that you're for them, when people understand that you're on their side, you may disagree with them about certain things, but at the end of the day, they're going to understand that your love for them, your heart for them is bigger than any disagreement. It's bigger than any idea and that you love them and are for them. And at the end of the day, that will make all of the difference in the world. And we, when we look at Jesus and the way that he lived his life, we see that he treated people and the way he treated people and the way he spoke into people's lives was always, always, always motivated by one thing. And that was out of a love for 
them to the cross. Love for them. And when you know someone loves you deeply, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? And so we've got to lead with humility. We've got to be motivated by love. And finally, we've got to be intentional about building that relationship. Because here's what's happened. Most of the people who are in your circle of influence are there because you have had an opportunity to build a relationship with them. But what happens is, is sometimes when we fall on rocky times with someone or we disagree with someone, or maybe we're just not quite getting along, the natural human instinct is to begin to push that person away, isn't it? The natural human instinct is to stop hanging out with that person as much as is to just kind of let that relationship fade away and go away. And, and what happens over time is you lose that person that you love and you look back five years from now and you're going, I don't understand what happened to that relationship. I don't, I don't understand where it went. And what happens is you lose that person that you had the opportunity to influence their life. But more importantly, you've lost that person in your life that you love so deeply. And so we've got to be intentional about building that relationship, especially when you disagree with them, especially when you don't get along. And when you have quality time with that person, when you get a chance to be with that person, make sure that it's not just time, but it's quality time. Like a lunch isn't just a lunch. It's an opportunity to to build that person up. It's an opportunity to encourage them. It's an, an opportunity to let them know you care and maybe even to speak a little bit of truth into their life. And you never know, man. You never know what can happen from just one small moment. Like I had a, a guy who was mentoring me several years ago, and uh, he was pastoring a church while the church I was at was going through a difficult time. And so we'd have, we would have lunch um, every other week, and he would just kind of mentor me and help kind of teach me how to walk through this situation with this church. And uh, one day we were driving to, to go get his wife a we had lunch and then we were driving to go get his wife a present. And by the way, this guy was an awful driver. Like this story is the truth, man. He drove backwards through a drive-thru. Like, and we weren't even going to eat. Like he drove backwards through the drive-thru and the people, the cars in the drive-thru, you'd think he would get out of the way. He made them get out of his way. I'm not making that up. That has nothing to do with the story. But anyways, we were going to get some sunglasses for his wife for her birthday. And we walked into like a sunglass hut or something. And he got her like a $200 gift card. And then out of nowhere, he goes, Mike, he said, "Uh, what kind of sunglasses do you wear? I thought he was about to buy me some sunglasses. (laughs) I was wrong. He said, uh, said, I said, well, you know, cheap ones, Target or Walmart, whatever, you know, $20 pair, $10 pair, whatever I can get. And he goes, oh, yeah, how long do they last? Well, not long. Usually they break or whatever. Yeah. He said, yeah, that used to happen to me too. He said, I'd buy a cheap pair of sunglasses and I'd sit on them and break them and have to go back to the store and buy another pair of sunglasses and then, you know, just go on and on and on like that. And he goes, and then I decided to invest in some expensive sunglasses. He goes, I bought a $200 pair of sunglasses and he goes, they're super nice. He goes, and you know what happened about two weeks later? I sat on them and broke them. (laughs) He said, but you know what? I put those broken pieces in a bag, sent them to the the owner or sent them back to the store and they sent me a brand new pair. And then about two weeks later, you know what happened again? Do you? Yeah. He sat on them, broke them, sent them back to the store. They sent him another pair. And he said, you know what, Mike? He goes, quality matters. Quality matters. He goes, as a matter of fact, if you invest in quality, even though it might be harder up front, even though it might be more expensive up front, over the long time, it makes you a better steward of what God has given you because it gives you quality over quantity. And quality over quantity matters every single time. Make the hard investment, Mike. Make the hard investment. 
That was a lunch over five years ago, and I still remember that story. You never know what's going to stick. You never know what you might be able to speak into someone's life. And so when you spend quality time or time with that person in your circle of influence, make sure that it's intentional. You never know what's going to stick. You might never know what might, might bless them. You never know what might encourage them. So use those little moments as an opportunity to build them up and add value to their life. Because when you add value to people's lives, you get the opportunity and the privilege to influence their lives. And that's so important when we're dealing with people in conflict. When you're dealing with people that you disagree with, because what happens when you still add value to their life, when you still speak a blessing in their life and you still encourage them, what they see is even though we may disagree, you still value me. And even though we may disagree, you still love me. And even though we we may disagree, you still care about me. I'm telling you what, over the long run, that's going to make all the difference in the world. So we've got to make that time. We've got to make that time intentional. We've got to build that relationship We've got to build that relationship. And I believe that all of these things together can have a powerful effect on people's lives. God has put these people in your life to influence them. And what we have to do is we approach that relationship over the long run, not in a moment, but over the long run, run, is that we've got to begin in humility. We've got to be motivated by love. And we've got to be intentional about building that relationship. And we've got to always remember that this isn't just a moment, but this is a lifetime. And if we can be consistent in those things, what's going to happen is it's going to begin to build up and you're going to have what they call a cumulative value or a cumulative effect. And cumulative value is what happens when you consistently invest small amounts of time into certain activities over a long period of time. Here's what I mean by that. Everybody loves to go to the gym, right? What we love is to go to the gym for 30 minutes one time and then walk around like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like you may, like you go to the gym for 30 minutes, you may feel like Arnold, but you don't look like Arnold yet, right? But what happens if you go to the gym three days a week, four days a week, for six weeks, for eight weeks, for 10 weeks, for 20 weeks? What's going to happen is over time, your body is going to change. Your body's going to look differently. Your body's going to begin to turn into what you want it to turn into. And all that is because of the cumulative value, those small moments, that those small amount of times that you're investing into your body, that you're training your body in over a long period of time. Those small moments, those small investments over a long period of time result in big change. And the problem in our lives is that we want immediate results. <laughs> the problem is that we live in a popcorn culture or a microwave culture and we treat people like popcorn. We want that relationship to heal quickly. We want to have one lunch, tell them, hey, I'm sorry, and then expect everything to be okay. We want to have one moment, and then everything's fixed. But that's, that's not how it works. Like, we want to go to the gym, run a 27-minute mile, then go look in the mirror and go, hey, I'm great, right? I'm great. And what happens when we don't look like a Kardashian after that one time at the gym, we quit. <laughs> and it may feel like that with the same thing with that person in your life that you want to rebuild that relationship that maybe God's placed in your life and you have that one conversation in humility or you go to them in love that one time and you try to build that relationship and it didn't go quite like you wanted. What I would say is don't give up. Don't stop there because God has placed them in your circle of influence for a reason. And I believe with all of my heart that if you continue to invest in them, if you continue to love them, if you continue to approach them in humility in small doses over a long period of time, that cumulative effect will change their life. 
People aren't popcorn, baby. Invest in them. Love them. Be humble. See what God will do. See what God will do. God may heal that relationship. God may use you to help them make wiser choices. God might even increase your influence in their life. I want to see you change your world. I want to see you impact your world. I believe in this so deeply. I told you I'm going to give you something this week, right? I'm going to give you something next week too. I believe in this so deeply. Here's what we're going to do today. I purchased a bunch of Starbucks gift cards, like a lot. And I'm going to throw them in the crowd. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I purchased a bunch of Starbucks gift cards and they're outside on that table. As you walk out, as you walk out these doors, they're going to be right on the table out there. And this week, my challenge for you is to take one or two of those Starbucks gift cards or three or whatever. Maybe, you, maybe you're angry at a lot of people. I don't know. <laughs> but take one or two of those Starbucks gift cards. Go to someone in your circle. Maybe it's someone that you're having an issue with. Maybe it's someone that you're not quite getting along with. Maybe everything's great and everybody in your circle you get along with. I don't know. But find someone in your circle of influence this week or next week and take them out to coffee. On me. Well, on the river. Take them out to coffee. Have a conversation with them. If you can't take them out to coffee, buy them a coffee. Say, hey, I got this for you. I just want you to know I love you. I care about you. Have a great day. If you can't buy them coffee, just give them the gift card, okay? It's not that hard, right? <coughs> Excuse me. But in some way, I want to challenge you to take that resource and bless someone in your circle of influence. Bless someone in your circle of influence. I want to see you invest in your circle, and I want to see what happens. I want to see as you hopefully lead that person towards Jesus because you love on them, because you're humble towards them, because you invest in them. And then I want you to tell me how it goes because I want to know, I want to hear stories about how God is changing people's lives through you. And so as the band comes out, we're going to worship, we're going to sing one final song. (coughs) Excuse me. And my challenge for you in this moment is I want you to begin to pray about who you're going to take out of coffee this week who you're going to give that gift card to, who you're going to buy a coffee for. I hope none of you bring me coffee. (laughs) It's not a good sign. But I want you to begin to pray about that and say, God, okay, who's this person? Maybe you already know, right? Who's this person that, that that you want to bless through my life? And I would challenge you to begin to ask God to help you speak to them in a way that's loving, that's humble. I would pray that, or I would ask you to pray that God would begin to prepare their heart to heal that relationship and mend it. And maybe again, maybe it's nobody that, maybe you're not at odds with anybody, but maybe there's just somebody that God wants to grow your influence on. Maybe there's somebody in your life that God just wants to grow that influence that you have. Pray about that. Take this week. Let's be a church. Let's be a people that handles conflict well. Let's be a place that builds bridges that doesn't burn them down. And, and whenever somebody disagrees with you or maybe we don't get along, you don't go, man, I'm angry. Maybe you go, all right, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Because when you walk through conflict with somebody, when you walk through a disagreement with somebody and you come out the other side and that relationship is healed, that relationship is going to be stronger because you've been through it together. They're going to trust you more. They're going to love you more. And you're going to have more influence in their life. And we're going to use that to lead them to Jesus. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for today. Thank you for this space and this church. God, thank you for the opportunity to influence lives, God. 
Father, I pray that, that, that you would just bless those gift cards that are out there right now. I know it's maybe a crazy prayer, but that wherever they're used on, however they're spent, that it would change lives, that it would heal relationships, that it would build up people in our circle of influence, God. Use this space. Let this be not just a church, but a, a group of people who are on mission together to see their world changed, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.